This is England, or to be more precise, Sherwood Forest at least cues recreation of it. That would explain these costumes. Quite right, number one. Or should I say, John Little. Well, if he's Little John, that makes you... I know. Robin Hood. Sir, I protest. I am not a merry man. Watching television, watching television. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of A Very Special Episode. Uh, I'm Michael Lee Richardson, and this is a podcast where I get to curl up on the TV, curl up on the TV, <laughs> curl up on the sofa and talk TV with some of my favourite people. This week, I'll be talking to Nikki Rooney, a writer from Glasgow, about an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation called Data's Day, uh, an episode that I'd, you know, I'd, I've never really gotten on with Star Trek, I have to be honest, but I thoroughly enjoyed watching this. We watched it over on Amazon Prime. They have a lot of Star Trek over on there. And in this episode, we will be kind of, we'll be talking in the start a little bit about Nikki's TV tastes, and we'll be talking very lightly in that part. But in part two of the episode, we'll be talking about Data's Day in more detail and in spoilerific detail. So if you've never seen that episode uh, and you want to kind of watch along uh, and spoilers are something you're concerned about, then you should go and check it out, I think. I've been using the top end of these episodes, or I really want to use the top end of these episodes. I totally forgot about it last week. Um, I want to use the top end of these episodes to talk about things that I've been watching and recommend telly that I really like. And this week, I want to recommend to you because Nikki writes for children's TV and because we're both uh, really invested in children's TV I wanted to talk to you about uh, a recent episode of the Babysitter's Club on Netflix a new adaptation of the 90s book series I was a huge fan of those books when I was a kid uh, and and got a lot out of them uh, and my favorite or one of the one of my favorite books was Claudia and the Sad Goodbye which I maintain which was one of the first books that I ever cried at and I think it still holds up and they've adapted that book in this new series episode 8 of series 2 called Claudia and the Sad Goodbye uh, spoiler alert but it's the first it's kind of Claudia who's one of the the main uh, original Babysitter's Club members it's her first experience of death in her family and it's very very kind of walks the line I think just walks tiptoes right up to the line of being glurgy or kind of going uh, a little bit overboard or a little bit overwrought but never crosses it uh, and just kind of handles things in a really truthful and real and down-to-earth way and one of the things I really like about the the book and the adaptation is that uh, it kind of focuses quite a lot of stuff on Claudia's relationship with her older sister. Um, they have this kind of real tense relationship throughout the series and they've done that really well in the adaptation. Um, but in this iteration of The Babysitter's Club, spoiler alert a little bit, it turns out that uh, Janine, who is Claudia's sister, is a gay woman and that's kind of uh, comes to light in this in this episode and I just obviously I think LGBT representation is incredibly important and I think even more so in work for younger audiences I think that reflects the world that they live in uh, and reflects that the people they'll know in school and in their lives and in their communities and and I think I can talk a big game about you know about that from a sort of academic point of view but sometimes when you see something just done really well it cuts through all of that kind of theorizing and academic stuff and I I just I found it really really moving this this coming out scene in the middle of this incredibly 
uh, incredibly moving and important episode. Um, so I would recommend you check that out if you're if you're into children's telly or if you are interested in the Babysitters Club. I also think it does really well uh, this series of balancing the the nostalgic elements of the Babysitters Club and having something there for kind of the original fans <laughs> like myself, old bags like myself, and the, the kind of new generation of girls. And I just think it's doing really, really, really well. Without further ado, here is my chat with Nikki Rooney. My very special guest this week is Nikki Rooney. Nikki is a screenwriter from Glasgow who's worked on lots of TV shows, most notably The Dumping Ground for CBBC, Hollyoaks for Channel 4 and Ride for Nickelodeon. She likes animals, funny stories and winning things. She's had many exciting moments in her life, but the ones that she repeatedly retells when meeting people for the first time are that one time she came first in a show jumping competition, and that time she went on tour with McFly and almost accidentally sat in Dougie's lap. Hello, Nikki. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to a very special episode. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to get to do this. No one's ever asked me to be on a podcast before. Oh, I think this will be the first time of many, I hope. Uh, well, I just uh. assume it's because everyone's worried I might never stop talking. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's yeah. early on in the episode yet. <laughs> but um, no, I'm so excited to talk to you and very excited about your very special episode. You're the first one to choose an episode from this show, um, which I'm quite surprised by. Yeah, I mean, it's a very popular franchise that's been going on since my parents were children. So I would have thought that someone would have come along. But I'm really pleased that it's me and that it's a woman talking about it and not a straight white man. (laughs) I mean, I don't know any straight white men. so that Wonderful. (laughs) I wish I didn't know any straight white men, Michael. I've already got lots of questions from your bio alone. Okay. And the first one is about McFly. Yeah. Tell us that story. So I got a job where I was developing a TV series for a British broadcaster, which would have been set in Canada, and it involved McFly. Oh, wow. Yeah, and my my job was to go on tour with McFly. And when I said to my exec at the time, what am I supposed to do? He said, I don't know, just get to know the band. And that sounds like I've been sold off as a prostitute or something. I don't know. (laughs) But I definitely wasn't. That could have been a phone call. Like, like... <laughs> yeah. Instead, we went to like I think I'm pretty sure I was living in Glasgow at the time, but I had to go on tour with them like around Portsmouth or like Southampton or like somewhere that you know down there that Scottish people don't really understand what's down that part of the world <laughs> and like stay in hotels with them and it, it was I mean it was great fun I got to go see them play at some stadium and we got to do like the run from backstage to get on the tour bus because the exit for the tour bus was up a hill under from underneath the stadium and the manager was like if we do not get out of here immediately the bus will get swamped and we will never leave and we won't get up the hill so we have to like it felt like like an episode of Scooby-Doo or something where like we were all running and the bus was already moving and you had to like jump on board it was just all very silly how exciting i bet people i bet some of those girls thought you were like a new mcfly girl well well you were definitely gossiped about on a mcfly blog these were like the later (laughs) days of mcfly so not when they were like young and getting drunk and going out with lindsay lowen or not who knows it was the days of the fridge is full of like green smoothie juice on the tour bus and they play fifa and that's kind of it but i had 
do you know what lovely boys lovely lovely boys they were so friendly and uh yeah there was a point where we were like going along on the tour bus and i have a major crush on dougie he is gorgeous and like really sort of that sort of tortured soul that i i'm just so attracted to and shouldn't be because those men were in my life uh but yeah he was just sort of sat there and they were like come sit with us and the bus was moving I remember thinking I'm gonna fall over in front of McFly and I just kind of had to run from one end of the the tour bus to the other to try and get into the seat next to Dougie that he was like appealingly patting and of course the bar the bus lurched and I went flying and was almost in his lap and then managed to land in the seat instead but I don't know I'm looking back now I feel like I, I missed an opportunity there because he was the only single member of the band at the time and I may have been introduced as Dougie from McFly's wife at the start of this podcast which is far more interesting than Nikki Rooney owns a cat I mean (laughs) definitely not definitely not Um, you're a woman in your own right but honestly they were they were so lovely they were so accommodating and friendly and they were funny just really funny I had a really lovely time and just came away thinking like you know sometimes you meet famous people and you're like oh my god you're the worst human and I met them not really sure what to expect and I just met a bunch of really normal lovely boys who Mm. like the beach boys a lot and I think that's really cool yeah sweet I mean it could have all been very different because my McFly story is that is that I auditioned to be a McFly. <laughs> oh my God. I might cut that out. I used to be a, um, a serial oh my auditioner. God. Like I auditioned for Pop Idol and Fame Academy and stuff. And yeah, I auditioned to be in McFly. And I'm pretty sure... I mean, I you know, when you sort of make something up with hindsight, I'm pretty sure Dougie was at my oh audition. My and that um, also at my audition was Kevin... I think he's called McDay from... He later ended up in V and then he ended up going out with Mark from yeah. Life. He went to all the same auditions as I did at the time. So we sort of knew each other but didn't talk to each other in the way that gay people <laughs> 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 like, um, So yeah. Oh yeah. God, Michael. Me on that tour bus. You were... Oh, like, oh, there is an alternative universe where that's what happened though. Like that's that was the first time we met. Not a drunken like BBC Aww. writers room event. The first time we met was on the McFly tour bus. Like that's Aww. an alternative. Um, so, what sort of stuff did you watch when you were younger? I mean, like I am a like a consumer of television. Like TV was always on in our house, so it was very much what was always on. We always had like the big breakfast on in the morning. Do you know what I mean? Like that channel kind of oh, yeah. Yeah. And then in the like back in the day when you only had one TV and so many channels and you just kind of had to watch what your parents were watching so like Mm -hmm. I have a weird like you know I would watch things like Cheers and the Golden Girls and like London's Burning and 999 and Spin Image and oh god like I used to watch Roseanne like I could probably act out episodes of Roseanne for you from memory (laughs) like so all those kind of things that my parents watched that I just quite often would sit as a kid and not really get what was happening but knew which parts to laugh at. I loved Red Dwarf which is perhaps why it was perhaps an entryway into the show we're going to talk about today but Mm. then like kids TV like I I write children's television now I've never stopped watching it it just never occurred to me so that like real golden era of CITV and CBBC broom cupboard kind of shows. What what would you Uh, Well for my age group like The Queen's Nose 
um the wild house oh the wild house that was a good yeah. show i mean it, i think this shows what the algorithm knows about me but i did get offered the wild house on youtube recently and watched it and i was it like, stands up this is not yeah bad. yeah it, it does, does. Stand up. It um does. yeah like i liked all the kind of like spooky things so i've recently discovered that um sabrina's teenage witch is on prime started watching oh, it I can, another show that i could act out from memory like i, <laughs> I i'd like remember episodes of these shows so vividly they've really stuck with me as an adult and mm. do you remember what on earth about the alien who had like ears on backwards oh this rings i think i'm mixing it up with um what was the thing where he could walk on the ceiling mike and angelo yes. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like so uh here's another fun story about nikki uh meeting famous people who well this one's questionable as to whether or not he's really that famous but uh there was a tv show called aquila on CBBC, yes. which was a bit like Flight of the Navigator. Yes, yes. When I was in Hollyoaks, we cast one of the kids from Aquila as like a police officer who went out with Theresa McQueen. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I lost my mind. Like I couldn't I was like, I can't really meet this dude because I don't want him to be anything other than this childhood memory. This kid's show. No like, one is as famous as the people who were famous when you were like a child. Like I feel like I could meet, you know, I've met people who are like actually famous now, but no one's as famous as like, you know, if I met somebody from the Queen's nose or something. Or like yeah. I've met like blue Peter presenters and things, and I'm like, oh my god, there is <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know their names, but <laughs> why is Connie Huck doing so much cocaine? She's meant to be just playing with a dog and like abseiling and yeah. I, uh... I have met Connie Huck. She wasn't doing cocaine, but she was, I'm sure she wasn't. She was incredibly weird in the best possible way. It was at like a Edinburgh TV festival thing where I pitched, as a joke, a hybrid travel show slash game show called Where the Fuck is Connie Huck? And it would be like, you you know, Connie Huck goes on an adventure somewhere and you have to guess where she is because, like, the Eiffel Tower... Like a and- weird opposite challenge Annika. yes, yes. Oh, well like um oh what's it called uh who lives in a house like this that kind of yeah vibe but with connie huck going on holiday nobody nobody's interested in it but i thought it i think it's hilarious <laughs> i'm sold and you still watch children's tv what's what's worth watching uh i do i do well obviously the dumping ground not just because i work on it <laughs> uh because i'm new to that show but i've i've watched it you know since it was tracy beaker and and I do think it, it does a real good job of great represent, representation on television mm-hmm. that I think a lot of adult shows really fail at. So I, I have a lot of time for it. It's sort of bonkers that that's still going and it's still the same show with the same continuity yeah. and kind of the same format, even though yep. Tracy Beaker is long gone, bless her. Yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of the Grange Hill or the, the Biker mm. Grove of CBBC these days. And I, I mean, I think that's a really important kind of flagship to keep it's uh so big fan of that but i i mean i really love animation i watch cartoons all the time i think there's like i mean there's loads of really good stuff on disney as well you can't really fault them Mm -hmm. but there's a a great animation that's made for it started off on cartoon network now i think it's on hbo it's made by an animator called uh julia pot Mm -hmm. and it's uh it's like uh it's called like some it's called summer camp island and it's yeah just like funny cute little animals at summer camp and yeah it's just all a bit like sweet and 
weird and cute and she's actually a British animator who went out to America and like did really really well yeah so yeah I think Summer Camp Island is something that I'd say is definitely worth checking out. I feel like there is really interesting stuff in that area and I think because I don't work on like a lot of the stuff I do is drama or comedy and like Mm. mostly for adults like I I feel like I watch quite a lot of animation because it's because I'm not in like work brain mode when I'm watching it and there's so much interesting stuff in that space like yeah I love like the owl house on disney and yeah um, it's so good isn't it yeah Yeah. steven universe was a a big fan of that as well (laughs) yeah Yeah, i think it's an area that um i mean moving this moves us on a little bit but like i think bojack horseman Mm. on netflix is is an amazing example of how animation doesn't just have to be jokes Mm. and silliness and it doesn't have to just be for kids i think bojack horseman is one of the best tv series that's ever been made let alone animations it's really about something it's full of like amazing jokes amazing visual puns amazing wordplay and then it's about just such a serious subject matter i watched that i watched the first series of bojack and like i it was such a one of those things where i was like i know this is very very good but this is fucking bleak and i don't know if i've got another series in <laughs> like it's it's a quite it's a dark show and tonally yeah like i i don't think you could even i was about to ask like do you think you could do that show in live action if he wasn't a horse obviously but um i don't know if you could because i think it would just no. become too bleak yeah i think it is the sort of visual humor and and the the animal puns they get away with like i do think that they managed to find the lightness yes. um especially as they go on like because it gets darker <laughs> oh my god i don't know if it, how how it could like i mean well oh, i kind gets... of can guess how it could and i don't know if i wanted to go there um but it, essentially the whole series is about accountability mm. and men these that particular type of man being accountable for his actions haven't seen anything that addresses it so well and yeah it's it kind of um gives you like a really satisfying conclusion to those kind of men who seem to get away with a lot because they're famous and rich he he pays a punishment in the end and and it and it's it feels just like it feels like yeah okay you've paid your price and we just don't really get that conclusion in real life very often so mm. yeah I just yeah I'm I've I'm really drawn to that show in a lot of ways and uh, I I really love the animator Lisa Hannah Walt who makes it I think she's incredible and she makes Tuca and Bertie now which again is about it's about sort of dealing with sexual assault but told by like a toucan and like a little bird and they're just it's so funny and so weird I've just thought like one of my favorite puns in Bojack Horseman is I think it's like season five or something you go to his half his like half sister's bedroom and she has a poster on the wall for a band called the Cockatoo Twins and I I love it like it's it's such a good joke it's such a good joke it's so stupid and you couldn't do that I know I think about all the time like I just like I want to write a joke that good and it's just it's in the background for like a second and then it's gone and it's like you know such a good joke and it's just there fleetingly so even said out loud and I was just like man I want to be that good someday what are your other go-to genres apart from um i love something spooky i know you do too michael um, <laughs> of course, of so course. you know and then also like that kind of young adult drama but i think we're making mm. less good stuff now and more kind of sensationalist stuff so that kind of like pretty little liars riverdale where it's all hooks and very little substance I think I've talked about Riverdale on this show with a couple of people now, yeah. but I think 
I am a Riverdale apologist. <laughs> <laughs> Riverdale, you kind of just have to go with it. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it is all hooks. There are like, I think about eight serial killers loose in Riverdale at any given time. And like Betty's mom is sacrificing babies in a fire. Oh my There's God. Witches. And I think they might be real witches. Like it's. Well, they, they are, aren't they? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, Greydale's just down the road, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, There's a, an episode where Archie has a fight with a bear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good show. I'm into it. I, I'm here for those. <laughs> yeah, I think it's more the, like, I think there should be that, but also something a bit more substantial. You know, like, even more recently, we had My Mad Fat Diary, which mm. serves a similar audience, but is is got a bit more depth to it and I think I think you need both like it can't just all be that kind of hooky thing and I don't know that we kind of make the sort of like I don't know where Freaks and Geeks is now do you know what I mean that kind of show or even like Roswell which Mm. like still did like a lot of like emotional stuff even though it was about UFOs or like where's the Friday Night Lights like I want the show where I'm like screaming at my laptop because I'm so behind the characters as opposed to like kind of just like rolling with it because it's silly and it's over the top what's your comfort watch what's the um, the that you go back to. Uh, so Freaks and Geeks, as I've mentioned, is oh, very yes. much yeah. I I just think it was beautifully written. Um, there is one episode in particular where uh, Neil finds out that Nissan tells Neil that he's seen his dad with another woman that isn't his mum. Oh yeah. And then he finds a garage remote in their house that isn't theirs, and the three boys go out and they cycle around the neighbourhood. And he's just pressing this clicker, trying to... Oh my God, try... yes, it's and so good. It gets to tea time and the boys all have to go home and it's just Neil on his bike on his own. And the last scene is him pressing the clicker and a garage door opens and he sees his dad's car inside and he knows that his dad is cheating on his mum. And it's just beautifully written. It's just... And it made, like, it made me think, oh, someone on that writing team, that's how they found out that their dad mm. was cheating on their mum. It was just so sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is so sad. I think that show does that really well yeah. in that, like, when you're that age, sort of realizing that your parents are not sort of bastions of morality that you maybe thought they were. Yeah. And, like, sort of being disappointed by your parents, but having to go with it anyway. It's all about the Halloween episode for me with that oh. series, as it, as it usually is. <laughs> it's so <But> good. <laughs> it starts with Bill dressed as the bionic. Woman. Yeah. <laughs> oh he's such a i love martin sorry he's such a great actor uh such a good performer so the boy who plays sam have you followed his career no but i've seen him in things and he still has the same face yeah so an adult's body (laughs) he was in bones right i plays sweets and bones and was amazing in it and i loved him and he is like you say got the same face but guess what he went on to do i no idea right a fucking spider-man oh my god of course he did which is like his dream job and i just feel really invested in this dude's life like i'm like good for you like one of the few white straight men in the world that i feel like kind of got what he deserved in like a nice way i do although i do have a slight um i hate to say it like a slight resentment of actors that move into writing oh god yeah i hate them yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. Some of us are not attractive enough to be on television. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to write. Oh, mine like my my anger about those things gets even narrower where I'm like, Oh, you're you're a playwright, are you? Well, why don't uh... you go write a play? Why I've I've been a screenwriter for fifteen years and I'm being told I don't have enough experience to be a showrunner. But hello, oh in you come. You've written a play or you've written a poem on Twitter and now you're being given a three season deal for for like Netflix or you know oh god I'm so bitter I'm this so bitter like my, but this is truly my inner monologue and like uh, yeah people have heard me have that rant before, it's hard so. it's hard and I don't want to take anyone else's like success away from them that's not in me at all like hmm. I, I don't have that I just want some of it for myself so it's hard <laughs> to see other people getting the thing you want and, and hmm. be like oh but I've been doing this for a really long time what are your other do you have other comfort watches? I do I do so the X-Files is a really big one for me mm. when I was uh uh very unwell and was in hospital and stuff I spent a lot of time just re-watching episodes of the X-Files that I've seen a million times and it's a thing that I'll put on if like I'm working and I want something on in the background but I don't want to have to pay attention to it because I've seen but only like monster of the week episodes because god I cannot stand the kind of smoking man government uh, cover up I haven't stuff actually, I haven't actually seen the X-Files to my great shame and I always thought of it as monster of the week as, as more in mm. that sort of space I wish it was more of that there is they, they released two new series and I think 2016 and 18 and there are surprisingly maybe three of the best episodes of the X-Files I've ever seen are in those two seasons which kind of goes against like what you expect from a reboot you just think it's going to be diminishing returns but they actually did a really good job with some of them and they are monster of the week episodes which I always felt were the strongest so there's that and then I like I like a gang show like I like a show where when it finally comes to a conclusion I feel like I'm saying goodbye to friends so like I was obsessed with the musketeers on the BBC I would have just watched an hour of those dudes in leather just hanging out drinking beer with their horses because I just had a lovely time with them bones which you know I mentioned because Sam from Freaks and Geeks was in it like I I came away from that feeling like I was friends with, uh, not David Duchovny, that's the wrong one, David Boreanaz. And then also Buffy, you know, was such a huge part of my teenage years. Like, I, again, could act out episodes of that for you right now. (laughs) And then, like, things, yeah, like... This is a bit of a weird one, but BuzzFeed Unsolved, have you ever watched it? I have, I have. I like the, so they do like a true crime one yeah. and then a paranormal one as yeah. well. I, just, I like the paranormal one, obviously. Yeah, where they go ghost yeah. hunting and it yeah. is just like Shane Madey just screaming, come and get me monsters and like trying to invoke <laughs> demons while Ryan Vergara has an actual mental breakdown on on camera sometimes i just i i think i the reason i love it is because i really want them to be the ones that uncover evidence of paranormal activity that oh is yes. undeniable because how funny if that is how we find out that there are really ghosts is that these two idiots on BuzzFeed like somehow manage to just manifest a demon and have a chat with them on camera. And because they're from BuzzFeed, like I get, I feel like it would be like a BuzzFeed quiz. You know, they'd be like, so, oh <laughs> all right, so you're a, a manifestation of a demon that eats children. So I'm just wondering which Riverdale character are you? You feel... <laughs> You feel like a Veronica, but I 
think like when we get into it, you're probably going to turn out to be Archie. Like I, I like that's how that would play out, and that's why yeah. I watch it because just I'm <laughs> desperately hoping. Yeah, but they're about to go into their last ever season, so oh. that's sad. Yeah, so those are comfort things, definitely. Are you a true crime gal? Yeah, I love to watch those kind of YouTube videos that are like, you know, five murders that took place in your hometown that you've never yes. heard about. Yes. Or yes. like, things like... Five terrifying people that are in your house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i put on as soon as my boyfriend leaves the house i watch you know top 10 people that caught someone in their own home yeah trying to kill them i <laughs> listen to them whilst i'm going to sleep which all oh of my, my friends gosh. think is insane uh is- the thing like my youtube is an absolute shit show like the things <laughs> that i i consume on there are, are just so just so much embarrassment on there but yeah a lot of those kind of like top five lists of things that should scare the life out of you i feel like i i definitely can chart my mood i feel like my doctor <laughs> should have access to my um yeah YouTube recommends because yeah. you can see when things are getting a little bit rough around the edges <laughs> when um you know those things start to creep in <laughs> i think a big low in my life was um when i just started getting really obsessed with listening to oh god i can't believe i'm saying this out loud that may end up people hearing it but got obsessed with these videos which are actually just audio recordings of pilots and the air traffic controllers at like huge airports like LaGuardia like LaGuardia like it's just like these like French pilots who are like uh hello we are coming into land I used to live in France so I can tell you right now that that was I nailed that accent (laughs) and then there'll be some dude from New York I've never been to New York so I can't do that accent who'll just be like uh no you're not there are 12 planes in front of you and then the French dude is like yes we are uh we are lined up and we are ready to land and he's like dude no you can't land like you're you're jumping the queue and they just have these huge fights and I I would listen to that as I fell asleep I don't I don't know what's wrong with me Michael that's unusual Uh, well i mean i thought you were gonna say which is my thing that i listen to quite a lot uh is 911 calls (gasps) on youtube amazing yeah specifically 911 because 999 would not be as interesting no like 911 is you know the woman who phoned the police because her monkey was eating another woman's face off like yeah that's that's the that's the heightened emotions that i'm looking for love that stuff experience yeah yeah absolutely love it yeah (laughs) It's so good. Yeah. What happened to us? Why are you like this? I don't know. I don't know. I have a career in television and I'm just desperately looking for hooks all the time. Like <laughs> And also, you're just looking for ideas. I'm like, is there is there a TV show and an air traffic controller who's like really yeah. mad all the time because these French pilots just do whatever they want and are always like three seconds away from causing like a, a massive air collision, and we just don't know because we're just sat on the plane like watching I don't know uh, Despicable Me for the six million time and just like eating your nuts and drinking a, a whiskey that costs six hundred pounds. You know what is? I feel like we've covered some of this, but what's mm-hmm. something that's outside of your real house <laughs> besides the air traffic control <laughs> yes. well, yeah. that actually is connected so and it's not going to sound unexpected now that i've said all of that but i'm completely obsessed with ambulance the bbc documentary oh, wow. yes i can't watch that it's too much oh i lose my mind in every episode like i love mm. it i absolutely love it and i do think and again friends laugh at me for this but i'm great in an emergency i seem to like i've had to phone a lot of ambulances in my life and I don't really understand why other than I'm a magnet for 
stupid things happening but I'm really good in emergency because I've been in so many like I, I I'd know what to do I'm really calm what I remember one time we, I witnessed a car crash and afterwards my friend that I was with said to me you're the only person I've ever seen that runs towards an accident oh instead of away I just like no sense of self-preservation just one I think I just want like a bravery medal or something. I'm just like, I'm just going to throw myself in here. How do I make this 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 terrifying situation about me? How do I put myself at the heart of it? I think that's kind of just what it's about. Oh, I think we need to get you for a, a Pride of Britain award. Yeah. But in my head, I, I just think I'd be a great paramedic. Like, I think I'd be really good at it. And I also, even though I can't drive, I think I would be great behind the wheel of an ambulance. <laughs> like, going as fast as I can. Like, I, I would really enjoy that. Um, so I'm obsessed with ambulance. Also, I feel like I've probably said this to you before, but NCIS LA or any of the kind of NCIS franchise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I feel like that's in the wheelhouse (laughs) of the things that you like. I mean, but also maybe not good, not like the good version of it. But sometimes that's what you want just like pure junk food of. I like yeah it is junk food it's it's like a a, a format that I know what's going to happen mm. you know like I mean I am pretty obsessed with detective shows generally like I love Murder She Wrote Columbo all the old kind of classic ones so it kind of makes sense that I would now like procedurals like Bones NCIS Criminal Minds all those kind of I like the the weirder they are the better did you ever see the TV ad like the Netflix series of Limitless was adapted from the film oh no, no so the dude in it he solves crimes using arts and crafts and i really oh enjoy God. when like the method of solving the crime is just so dumb and i like was obsessed with that and then there is one called perception which is about a like a scholar at a university in america who has schizophrenia and he solves crimes by talking to imaginary people that aren't there oh my gosh and the fbi agent that he works with is rachel lee cook from she's all that oh brilliant i want to watch that now and in it she (laughs) is dating scott will from party of five a 90s reunion it's great (laughs) Uh, honestly perception is it's one of the best not very good shows that you could watch on disney plus that sounds absolutely excellent i love that um (laughs) one of the things i really love about disney plus now that they've got star on there is that (laughs) That they've got these like incredibly high budget dramas that Disney Plus have made alongside the most nonsense crime shows <laughs> yeah. in the 90s and early 2000s. That Just like we had to fill a schedule <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sort of shows. Filling the space between the adverts. Yeah. Shows. Yes. Oh my God, that's exactly what they are. But I get <laughs> I get sucked in every time. There's another mm. one. There's one on Sky just now called Prodigal Son, which has Catherine Zeta-Jones in it. Actually doing a really good job is a, is a like cold, unloving, rich mother. Like it feels like she's vying for a, a shot at succession in it like like this is her addition but yeah it's um her her son is like helping again the fbi solve crimes but his dad played by martin sheen is a a prolific serial killer who used to be he's called the surgeon because he was a surgeon but also murdered people and his whole thing is like well think about all the children's lives i saved i feel like it's okay for me to have like murdered a few people in really brutal ways and like the son's really scared he's going to turn into his dad and Catherine zeta jones has some sort of weird ulterior motives going on anyway that's also like nonsense that i really enjoy <laughs> what is an iconic tv moment that you go back to again and again i, th- I think so one is the evie oddly brooklyn heights lip sync 
if oh, I'm having God. like a bad sad day I will go and watch that because every time I'm just like oh yeah like the world is full of cool amazing weird people and it's just great it's like it's just so entertaining and the two of them just go for it and it's it's just such a great lip sync and mm. I love that they both I mean, spoiler from like five seasons ago, but they both got to stay because they were both excellent at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, I really love that lip sync. I've watched that about a million times. And then I, I go back to old SNL sketches a lot when I'm oh, having wow. a bad time. Yeah, I love, I really love Bill Hader a lot. I think um, I love Barry and I love like all his old kind of sketches, um, like Stefan. I've watched the Stefan sketches like a million times. Um, and I really like Mikey Day on it as well. I think he's like one of those like low-key, really talented people. So I like watching mm. his, um, he does like these, he's like a, in World War II and he's writing a letter home to his his lover. And she, is, it's usually the different guest each time that plays this woman back home and she'll just write weird obtuse things that he doesn't understand and he has to keep demanding further explanation but the letter he gets back gives no context but adds an extra layer of like what the fuck is going on i just uh, yeah i think he's really talented um and really funny so yeah old old snl and what are you watching right now um I love that laugh. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm really into All Creatures Great and Small on Channel 5. Oh, wow. Obviously. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I love animals. And it's, like, really cozy. It's Like, I like Virgin River as well. I've been watching that. And it's really cozy and warm. And it's kind of it's a bit soapy with hooks. But also... I don't know, like, last, there was an episode of All Creatures Great and Small I watched the other day where they operate on a cow uh, who's having some digestive issues, and the, it's like this sort of um, old, stuffy, rich man that owns the cow, and he's being very precious and annoying about it, and they basically deliberately call him over so they can cut the cow open and explode all of the shit from inside the cow oh all over God. him. And I was in the bath watching it, howling with laughter. I was just like, yeah, I want to write this show. Like, I just <laughs> love it. Like, I used to work in a vet as a receptionist, not because oh, I needed really? a job, but because I just wanted to be around animals and I was kind of lonely and I thought I could work in a reception. And I was so bad at it because I was just, I would forget to check the animals and I'd just be like rolling around on the floor with people's dogs and <laughs> I was completely useless. Um, but yeah, like I, 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 I love that show. I think it's great, and I also worked with Rachel Shenton, who's in it years ago, and yeah. I think she's wonderful. I think she's a really talented actress. She also uh, writes and directs as well, and stuff like that. I think she's brilliant. So it's just really nice to see her in a really cool role again. Um, um, what is your very special episode? My very special episode is uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, and it's an episode called Data's Day. And it was so fun to watch, I have to say. <laughs> What's your relationship with Star Trek? So it was one of the shows that I watched growing up. I remember it was, I just was always on, you know, hmm. like um, it kind of like tea time and I just kind of got into watching it that way and I'd watched the original Star Trek used to be on on a Sunday morning so I'd I'd watched it kind of again just like it was on the TV so I watched it mm, like and the the 60s one yeah the 60s one the I don't know like this came about at a time when I was maybe like preteen yeah like late 80s early 90s so it just I don't know it just hit me at the right time that it was like a gang show essentially to me mm. and yeah I, I just I, as I've gotten older I've come to to have like a much deeper appreciation of 
what it is. But back then, I was just like, this is cool, and Whoopi Goldberg's in it sometimes. <laughs> Are you somebody who keeps up with Star Trek? Yeah, I really enjoyed Picard, because it's it felt a bit more like the Star Trek that I love. I mm. have many issues with Discovery. It's getting better, but... Um, mm. Like, it kind of goes back to my thing with the X-Files. Like, I want a story of the week. That's what I love about Star Trek. And now it seems to be all about these long season arcs. And mm. I just, I'm like, come on, just give me, like, a fun little story. Also, right, so Star Trek opening titles music. It's always been, like, really bombastic and, like, we are going on a space adventure. Let's go. Mm. And these days it's all this, like, weird atmospheric. And I'm just, like, I don't watch it and feel like I'm about to boldly go anywhere. I feel mm. like... I'm about to go for a nap. It does um so I have I'm not a I'm not a Star Trek person. It does feel like when I was watching this I was like Star Trek is incredibly earnest <laughs> and it's quite interesting that this version of Star Trek existed in the 90s when everything was sort of ironic and yeah. and and I do wonder how how earnest you can be now that Mm. everyone i mean i think you probably i think we could probably do with a bit more of that to be honest with you but um no it did kind of strike me while i was watching this i guess i i think the thing that really struck me when i was watching this was i was really enjoying it and i was like why have i never gotten on with star trek before but i'm really enjoying this and then about halfway through there's a scene with Picard and I just kept zoning out and I was like oh it's because of this yeah it's because it's like people using long words and just talking yeah about nonsense (laughs) and and I feel like the character stuff is really there at the surface in this episode but there's a lot of like I don't know boldly going and (laughs) I'm sort of less interested in that than I am all of these sort of mad little things that Data was doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I did pick this. I, this episode stands out in my mind when I think of Star Trek. It's one of the episodes that comes to my mind first of all, mm. and I and as soon as I thought of it, I was like, I think Michael will really enjoy this episode, and I it's did. and it's because of all the little weird details. And I was just like, this is like the gloriousness of Star Trek is like this observancy of of humanity mm. which is what good sci-fi should do if you're watching good sci-fi you, sh- you should be thinking about what it means to be human and data completely embodies that i think he's one of the greatest gene roddenberry creations there has ever been just because he isn't human but his whole existence is this strive to be human yes. or to be more like a human and that and when you think about what humans are and and you know there's that famous um stephen hawking quote about like historically humans when we find a race of kind of less intelligence we do not do a good job of looking after them so in his mind it was like we should stay very quiet about our position in the universe because if Mm. there's something out there smarter it's probably not going to turn out well for us but with data like see it is quite earnest but he sees like this the starfleet idealism of like a a a unified universe as something good to strive for and to mm. like I, I just think he's brilliant yeah. and it, it helps that the, the performances of data are relentlessly fantastic yes like yes. i think a lesser <laughs> actor this would have could have 
verged on clergy in yeah. some places. Yes. But his humor, like, he is so, like, there are so many episodes that are about, like, there's an episode where Data tries to do stand up. Oh my God. And I he's trying to, yeah, episode. like, he's trying to learn what a joke is. And it's absolutely hilarious. He is also obsessed with pretending to be Sherlock Holmes on the holodeck. Like, there's loads of episodes about just him on the holodeck, <laughs> like, going about doing, like, some sort of, like, Nightless Picard doing, like, a 1950s, like, detective mystery and then oh, everything goes wrong and they get trapped in the holodeck and then oh no we can suddenly die on the holodeck and like there's just so much just human joy about data and the stories mm. and the, p- the situations that they put him into i just love him my friends always say that i've got a boner for data um <laughs> and i think that i do well i don't blame you he's yeah brilliant. He's brilliant. <laughs> he um if we um can you give us a yes. 60 second synopsis of this episode so this episode data's day is exactly what the title is. It's a day in the life of Data, who is an android on board USS Enterprise. And this day, he has two jobs. One is to give away Keiko to uh, Chief O'Brien, who works as a transporter engineer at their wedding. Uh, So he's to walk her down the aisle and give her away. And his other job today is to um, make sure that a Vulcan ambassador to Pell has a, a, a meeting with a Romulan ship. Now, historically, the Vulcans and Romulans do not get along. Well, the Romulans don't get along with anybody, really. And this this meeting is supposed to be a sort of, yeah, an ambassador's mission. So Data's job is kind of to, to be her escort while she's on board the ship. So that's his two jobs. And it's about how both of those things go really badly wrong. Oh, Data. Yeah. <laughs> um, who is Keiko? And why is Data the father of the bride? That was the context that I was missing. So, I mean... That is the context that everybody is missing when you oh, watch this okay. episode. So this is the first appearance of Keiko, who actually became like a long-term character and was in Deep Space Nine after this. Like her oh, and O'Brien okay. go on to it. And like none of that's explained. <laughs> apart from when later on in the episode, Chief O'Brien keeps saying, Data, you knew her before me. You introduced us. So <laughs> I-, I need you to fix this problem. And and it's like, uh, even as a fan, I'm like, I-, I still don't know the context for how Keiko and Data know each other previously. <laughs> Where's Keiko's dad? That Data has to step in and basically be father of the bride and walk her down the aisle. We're mm. never given an explanation. I kind of love that as well. I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's a very Star Trek thing to do is just launch into something with that explanation and just go. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She became a character, like a long-serving character after this. Okay. <laughs> what other context do we need before going in? I feel. Um, I feel like some context of Data is important because mm. so all the way through the episode, Data is making these sort of like audio diaries, uh, these starship logs to mm. a Commander Maddox, which is a reference to uh, an episode in Series Two, which is called A Measure of a Man, and again, an absolutely incredible episode of next gen it's it's a courtroom drama like a courtroom trial oh wow where this commander maddox shows up and he wants to prove that data is property of starfleet because he's an android and he wants to basically dismantle him and learn how to build more and Picard gets assigned to be like Data's defense lawyer in this trial oh and tries to win Data like the freedom to choose his own rights. And it, it touches upon slavery. It touches upon 
just does data have a soul is the big question of this trial and how mm. do you determine who or what has a soul and and again it comes back to that question of what does it mean to be human and they have to fight this out and commander Riker uh, is forced to basically argue against data and he feels awful because he doesn't want to but if he doesn't do that then they will just automatically decide that commander Maddox can have data so at the end of the trial after this amazing speech from Picard where he goes around sort of shouting at people like if 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 data turns out to have consciousness do you know what he is do you do you he's just shouting at everyone in the courtroom do you i don't like real like shakespearean uh performance from him which is incredible and in the end they decide that data is data and is not property and he gets his freedom to choose his own rights from that point so in this episode uh, he agrees at the end that he is interested in Maddox's research and will participate in it but not in the way that Maddox wanted him to so this episode is him submitting data from data back to Maddox about his life on the enterprise to try and help him understand data's consciousness and what he is and how he thinks about things so you hear him talking about things like irony and sarcasm and like all the way through it what i what i find really heartwarming about this episode is data quite often in the audio and the voiceover says you know i don't understand this thing that humans do but in the performance yes data clearly does because you yes. see him hesitate you see these little expressions and i and it's deliberate it's it's just it's like he's been told that he's a robot so he just thinks i'm a robot but actually you can see his development mm. across the episode and his understanding of emotion yes it's very it's such a nice conceit for an episode and it's such a nice conceit that it maybe makes me wish that more of star trek was this yeah or that more of my experience of star trek was this because i haven't watched that much of it i think next generation is the series that does this sort of storytelling most successfully like mm. it's basically so i think next gen is basically a soap opera set in space and i mm. love that about it because what is more soap opera than a wedding that gets called off on the morning of the wedding and it's then somebody has to try and get the wedding back on like i've written that episode mm. a million times on hollyoaks mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. a million times anytime there's a wedding something goes wrong and it gets called off so it's a pure soap opera story mm. i just love it <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. What what's the stuff that you like about this episode? What like resonates the most? We have to talk I've got a long list. Yeah. <laughs> I mean So early on in the episode, data goes to see Keiko and is like happy wedding day and Keiko says no I've changed my mind I'm not getting married and he says will it make you happy to not get married and she says yes and he surmises that Chief O'Brien is going to be thrilled to find this out because all he wants is for Keiko to be happy so he just mm. wanders in and says good news the wedding's off and then Chief O'Brien kicks off and it's amazing and, and Data's just like I don't understand what's happening so just like this immediate misunderstanding at the top of the episode <laughs> another like there's later on he asks Dr. Crusher to teach him how to dance beautiful scene it's, it's so, so good. good and she <laughs> says Data how do you know this please don't let anybody hear about this because I don't I'm, I'm scared of being known as the dancing doctor again not even like i don't want this to be a thing but like it's happened on another ship <laughs> and then they have like this dance lesson where she teaches them how to tap dance and it is incredible and there's a there's a so this is like a thing on the enterprise but there, there's a 
dance studio so that's so that's on the holodeck so you program the holodeck to look how you want it to look ah, yeah now yeah. that yeah. makes slightly more sense and at the end of that <laughs> bit after we get like a whole dance sequence and like like, like a singing in the rain style yeah. <laughs> tap dance spectacular that goes on for ages and Bev Crusher is getting pissed off because Date is better at tap dancing than her. <laughs> like there's no hiding that she's like, Are you kidding me? Like she's you can see in her eyes, she's like, I, I went to tap class for twenty years <laughs> and this guy shows up and then three seconds he's he's out tapping me. Like she's so livid. Good. She's livid. Yes. Yeah. So she kinda of teaches him to dance like he would dance at a wedding. Cause there's I think feel like with almost every scene in this, it's like data asks something and then there's a hilarious mix-up yep. and then the like the right version of it is yep. presented to him and it's so nice and like simple and like just good writing yeah but that uh, that bit where Bev Crusher <laughs> has got she's got a lot on she's got things to do so she's like a sort of create a woman for you yeah. to dance with and she is in high drag this yeah. woman I love her a backless that... dress a backless yes. sequin dress a gold sequined backless dress with laid hair it's so beautiful yeah I don't like cheekbones that you know you could cut data's wires on like they're so <laughs> sharp so this is recurring all the way through next gen on the holodeck like various men on the 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 ship go to the holodeck and basically create a beautiful woman there's episodes where geordie falls in love with a holodeck version of a doctor who's a real woman who's like a real researcher and then he meets her in real life and tries it is like oh we're in a relationship and she's like no mate i don't think so like, all the way through it, like, Picard's always creating sexy women. Riker, the king of creating sexy women. <laughs> like, they're just always on the holiday. And then these, like, kind of, like, carbon copy women pop up in these, like, insanely sexy dresses. And, like, all that soft lighting, that soft oh, 90s wow. lighting. And, yes, yeah, it's, it's... I imagine if you've never seen it before that that was probably, like, what the hell is happening. But for me, I'm like, yeah, holiday. I mean, it was one of the weirdest things that happened <laughs> in a very weird episode. <laughs> And I also, I was not convinced by Data dancing with a with woman. woman. I feel like, <laughs> Data is clearly gay. Maybe that is my own interpretation of it based on one episode. But uh, I am, um, no, I may be wrong about this, but I think it might be canon that Data's bisexual. Ah, beautiful. And if it's yeah. not, then it should be, because I feel like Data is bisexual. He used to, he dated Tasha Yar, who was the security chief before um, Worf, you know, the Klingon with the big silver belt of sash across his chest, who's very angry. Oh my God, there's an amazing episode, Michael, that you need to see sometime where (laughs) they, I can't remember if they're on a planet, I think they're on the holodeck and they're recreating, like it's like a Robin Hood episode and Worf is dressed in like a little green felt hat and he says the iconic line, I am not a merry man. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so great. Like, so, so good. He is another character who's fantastic. Like, really, mm. like, enjoyable. So he used to go out at uh, uh, Natasha Yar um, in series one. And there's a lovely moment in this episode later on where he's talking to um, Counselor Troy, whose job is to... So Counselor Troy, who's the woman with the beautiful, dark, wavy hair and the purple 
like oh she's fab she's oh fab. she's so gorgeous <laughs> um so she uh, is an empath so she can feel emotions like that's her whole thing and that moment where they're kind of talking and he's trying to get to the bottom of what makes a marriage and he's done all this like kind of like research of different cultures across the galaxy and what makes a good marriage in certain places and she talks about you know growing old together and then data says oh is, is growing old together a, a, a main component of marriage and she says, well, it's one of them. Why? And he says, well, because I will never grow old. And I hadn't thought about, I I considered like, I would be a good husband, basically. Mm. And it's and it's just, and she's like, oh, I didn't realize you'd, you'd want to get married. And I, I mean, again, it's another moment where you're like, Data has feelings. He's real. Like he's, everyone's, mm. everyone's gaslighting him into thinking he's a robot. <laughs> and he's not because he's, he thinks about these things. So he must yeah. be human. He's watching episodes of Say Yes to the Dress and is <laughs> by himself, just like me, you know, like and thinking I'll I'll look dazzling in a dress one day. One day. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. He's such a lovely character. And obviously I didn't realise she was an empath, Diana Troy, yeah. but I had that moment of like I was just obviously instantly attracted towards the sort of witchy woo <laughs> uh, character. Totally. Her mum. Uh, Luxwana Troy is incredible like she just wants to get in Picard's pants so badly oh. every episode that she is in she is like the person that I want to be like she's just this older woman who just constantly shows up with different men all the time and it's just like she's after Riker she's after Picard she is just a pure sexual animal and I love her and she's like she's just like a real like broad type thing mm. and she was actually married the actress I'm pretty sure was married to Gene Roddenberry who created oh. um Star Trek so but she's she's fun she's an amazing character but uh oh there's another moment in this episode that I did want to talk to you about so early on Jordy is getting a haircut <gasps> By yes. this blue alien. Yeah. And the blue alien is like, they're making jokes. And he's like, you just got your hair cut last week. And Georgie's like, no, I need it cut again. And then Data comes in and they have like this weird interaction where Data calls Georgie a lunkhead. And, it's beautiful. Yeah, and Jordy's like, "What? What are you talking about?" And he's like, "I'm trying out like some humor with like jibes and insults." And Jordy says, "Don't try it on the captain," which is a great line. In the back of shot behind Data, did you notice the alien getting her hair coloring done? I literally wrote this down <laughs> as one of my only notes with a sort of like a sort of sci-fi wand being yeah. waved over her massive hair, update, like a big from like a light brown to like auburn and but then it also data turns around and does like a full like what are what is happening here like he actually observes it and does like a full like he's like that tone and that skin color i think supposed to warm it up when you go into winter like he's obviously got a take on it but he just doesn't see anything just that whole scene and every time I look at that scene I can't help but put my like TV production head on where I'm like the prosthetics involved to shoot that two minute scene yes yes I mean there's there's quite a lot of that and I do mm. like um I like I think that's the thing that I really reacted to in this is that there's a lot of just extremely eccentric sort of alien characters <laughs> in this and I I really liked it like I loved Worf and that hairdresser like who's he <laughs> like, he's not 
never True seen again. Story. He's never seen again. <laughs> never seen before that. Never seen again. And I just was like, oh, like I could write a show about that guy. Like the hairdresser on a starship. That's a show that I would watch 100%. That is a show. That <laughs> we should write that, Michael. Like, we should. Yeah. We should. <laughs> like just set in the salon on board like a, 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 a massive spaceship. I think that's one of the things. It's that like 90s earnest that's really interesting to watch now mm. but there's also the like how sort of aspirational Star Trek is like it is a very um I mean it's not a very diverse cast but it's a diverse set of characters mm. and a a sort of yeah like that the, they've got a salon on the ship I think yeah. now <laughs> it would be like I don't know everything's got to be grim and serious yeah that is what Discovery is like there's Mm. no fun like that in Discovery there's nothing Mm. enjoyable in it I don't even think Discovery has a holodeck which I mean that's like it's just so much fun it's so enjoyable that you can just go in and magic up an environment anything you want Mm. and yeah they don't have they don't have any tap dancing in Star Trek Discovery which is (laughs) I feel a real real shortcoming (laughs) of the the series yeah (laughs) (laughs) I think that whole scene that I mean not to harp on the uh, salon scene <laughs> as was... if it's the, the main part of the episode <laughs> but it was that sort of experimenting with friendly jibes thing yeah where I was like I mean all along data not to oversimplify because I think th- these things can be completely oversimplified but there's clearly a like allegory for neurodivergence with yes a character like data yeah and that's where it's at it's clearest yeah and it does feel it it feels handled nicely if that's how you're reading it yeah I would agree with that and I I think as well it's it I have lots of friends that are neurodivergent probably more friends that are neurodivergent than aren't these days and you know you I often hear them say things like oh well I'd like weird things like I don't have feelings or things like that because that's I feel like that's something that people are told like oh you yes and it's like I, I and often they're like the most emotional people that I know and I'm like I Honestly, I find you so warm and full of emotion and full of empathy and full of caring for others in a way that I wish more people were like. Mm. Mm. And I, I think that there's, you know, a fundamental misunderstanding. It's just it's just a different way of thinking about things, right? Like yes. Yes. and I, I yeah, I think that's one of the things that I you're right. Like it I don't imagine that at the time Gene Roddenberry was like, and this will be about, you know, um autism, but mm. um it it's aged in a way that is quite easy to look at him through that mm. frame and it's like i say everyone keeps basically shouting at data that he's just a robot and he's just full of emotion and just yeah and wonderment and all these really positive things and i just feel like it's the society around him that's getting it wrong yes yeah <laughs> which is just I mean, you know disability full stop uh, <laughs> to be very on the nose with um sort of screenwriting 101 data literally has a cat that he is looking after and feeding and making sure it's all right in a way that a robot with no emotions maybe wouldn't also spots first episode um yeah he becomes a recurring character and gives birth to kittens at some point and yeah spots spots an important character in uh, data's world and yeah like yeah if he was a robot it wouldn't occur to him that he wants like a warm fluffy animal to keep him company in his quarters Mm. because data doesn't need to sleep so what's he doing when he's not on shift He's playing with his cat, you know. Like I would assume. You've got such empathy for Data. Yeah, I love him. yeah, I love him. I really, really do. And I think 
you know, actually, in terms of diversity for a show that was made in the 90s, mm. it does do really well. Like, you have disability, you have uh, Jordy, who is uh, his, like, a, an, uh, like a visor across his eyes. And the thing about that is he's not got, like, superhuman sight with that. He just mm. has different, like, it's just a different kind of visual impairment. So he sees things oh. differently from other people. But he doesn't have, like, some sort of insane enhanced, I can see everything better than everyone else. Because mm. there are episodes that kind of confront, like, that that it, like, it's, it's, it's basically just a disability aid, the same way that someone would have a wheelchair or a hearing aid. That's what that is. He's also a black disabled character, which, mm. you know, how often do we see that now? Still, very rarely. Um, that they have two two of the main characters are both black, although admittedly, you know, Worf is playing an alien, but he's a mm. black actor in one of the main roles. And a lot of the women on Star Trek have a lot of power in Next Gen and, and they have complex stories. You know, it isn't all just Bev tap dancing <laughs> on the holodeck. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad if it was. No, to yeah, I mean, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. But I, I, I do think that was one of the things that Gene Ro- was like Gene Roddenberry's values was that mm. it, 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 it was meant to be we're finally getting it right as a humanity, and that's why we're going to take that out into the rest of the universe and try and make it better. And I, I'm not saying that there, it's not problematic. There's loads. I mean, there are so many episodes of Next Generation where you're like, oh my god, why did nobody stop this from happening? This is super racist. Or I mean, one of the things that they absolutely never touched on and didn't do well really was like none of the main characters are gay at all. And there was mm. that's definitely sort of that sci-fi male straight community Mm. who can who are happy to imagine aliens exist but can't comprehend a human liking someone of the same sex do you know what i mean like there's just a level of complete lack of idiots basically (laughs) i mean i think i think a lot of sci-fi is doing better with that stuff now but you still get that mad reaction from you know that particular part of fan base yeah yeah yeah, that can't handle, I don't know, Doctor Who being a woman or yeah. that there might be lesbians in the apocalypse. The irony with Star Trek being was that it was originally conceived or re- originally seen as a show for housewives. When mm. the original show came out, that was what it was until a group of white straight men decided that they were going to make it into a show for the boys. And mm. yeah, I, 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 so they kind of, they've adhered to that kind of fan base, which is really frustrating. But it's, they, it, they don't now. Um, mm. But back then they still were. I think that's one of the things that they do not serve well. But I think, but just, I mean, for the time, it's kind of groundbreaking in terms of casting. And yes. I know that's not saying very much. but No, I mean, I, I would agree with that. Like it, it did kind of strike me, oh, this is from like 1991. And, you know, there are black main characters and there's, you know, Keiko. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, there's interesting stuff going on there compared to a lot of stuff that was out at the time. I yeah. Would, I would argue. And out even later. Like, yeah. <laughs> like this year. Like today. <laughs> Yeah. Although speaking of Keiko, my yeah. like, absolute top <laughs> of the week <laughs> is that wedding. Outfit. I mean, you were gonna. That was another reason I was like, Michael's gonna love this episode because her wedding dress, which is like this iridescent, it looks like something that would get made in like season two of Drag Race on a yes. on an outfit challenge on a outfit <laughs> challenge where you had to make your own wedding dress. Yes. Like, it feels like something Shangela would have made or something. Yes. Like, it's... It's very hat on a hat as well. Like <laughs> yeah, there's there's multiple hats happening. Yeah. 
And there's just so it. much material. I loved it. Like, I loved I, it. I also, I, I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I was not paying enough attention in the rest of the episode. But during the wedding, do all of the men have Star Trek uniforms, but with just slight gold? embellishment um so they are they're longer they're a bit like a tuxedo coat mm. version of their that's their formal yeah their formal uniform where it just it comes down over the bum at the back and it's just oh. a little bit sharper looking i'm so glad you noticed that uh so yeah good. <laughs> yeah i like the card being like you know, since ships were made of wood on the sea, this is a an honor that captains have had as joining people in matrimony. And I was like, was that a thing? Like, can a yeah. ship's captain just marry people? Like, well, there wouldn't have been any women on the ships of that were made of wood, would there? I don't know. I I'm guess not, well, there were a lot of female pirates. Oh, I suppose. Right, yeah, but they were all shagging each other, so I don't know. Who, <laughs> unless they were marrying each other, I don't know. Like how. I guess if you're the captain of a pirate ship and you're a woman and you're a lesbian, do you just marry yourself? <laughs> I, mean, no, I don't mean do I don't mean anymore. marry yourself. I mean you conduct your own wedding ceremony. I don't mean just get married to yourself. <laughs> Please that badly. <laughs> Is there anything you don't like about this episode? I mean, it's not that I don't like it, but it's not lost to me that we haven't at all talked about the Star Trek aspect of this episode, which is like this ambassador, Vulcan ambassador, who's on board and gets teleported onto the Vulcan ship and then is killed. And then they discover that she hasn't actually been killed. It's the Vulcans are basically screwing with them and have managed mm. to like make it look like she's died in a transport accident, but they're just like trying to like leg it away with her and they have to chase down the ship like that's the whole like space adventure and it's actually it's not bad it's just day is day is way more interesting like all the weird stuff that's going on in that ship is way more entertaining than a intergalactic political crisis (laughs) yes yes although i mean i I think that is the point of this yeah (laughs) there is a um my sort of reference point for this going in because i've never seen it and i've not seen a lot of star trek but my reference point for go- for this going in was there's an episode of Buffy called The Zeppo, which they kind of were upfront in saying we sort of nicked this from Star Trek, which is about Buffy and like the rest of the gang are like literally averting the apocalypse, but it you follow Xander. Yeah. Who they've sort of kicked out of the library and he's off having his own like weird yeah. little adventure. And yeah. I and I think that kind of is the point of an episode like this. Yeah. I, I, I was digging around on TV tropes to see if there was like a name for this, like a, I don't know, like a bottle episode or something like yeah. this. Like where you follow <laughs> like one. The, the story yeah. adjacent episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I just loved it. I loved all of that stuff of it. But yeah, I would say that Ambassador to Pell, bless her, was not at the top of my no. list of things. <laughs> Even her costume, like, it was all a bit Jafar from Aladdin, wasn't it? <laughs> like, it's not all that exciting. And then the the um, the Romulan, he's got, like, the kind of studded version of hers, mm. which, again, looks like a drag race, like, make your own costume. <laughs> he, like, yeah. Like, how do you compete with that insane wedding dress, though? Like, oh there's God. just not, or that tap dancing scene or the haircut scene. It's just impossible. <laughs> Like, they just made all of that too good. And then, you know, you could have made that episode 30 minutes and I, I would have really enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> just, yeah, it goes back to what I said at the start about how I would have happily have watched an episode of The Musketeers, which was just them sat in a courtyard drinking some beers and talking in leather and with their horses around them. Because, like, that kind of 
banter and that that sense that you're hanging out with your mates who are Mm. characters on tv that's what i love about star trek like they feel like friends to me like when i'm on the bridge i'm like yep this is where I want to be. This is, mm. I, I want to hang out with this this gang of characters all the time. No, I do. I would agree with that. And I think, yeah, I have so many conversations with producers like, this needs to have more story. And I'm like, does it? No. Can it not just be people? Having a nice time. Out yeah. and having a nice time. <laughs> That's the show that I want to write. It's just people sitting around taking the piss out of each other and just doing stupid stuff and having a nice time. Um, and apparently that's not what gets ratings <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I think it would at this point, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's maybe going into a different that's, I think you and I should be pitching the hairdressers on a spaceship series. Absolutely. And it is just like, you know, there's like alien hairdresser who gets all like the gossip from on board the ship and just manages to cause chaos. So there's stories happening off outside of the salon but we only ever get to like deal with the gossipy bit and as they're oh sat in God. the chair i would i would love that show <laughs> i was about to say it's going to be really low budget but then once you get these wigs in, yeah. they're like, and they've got to change color <laughs> um yeah it's not gonna be as cheap as i thought <laughs> Like, they would have been in, like, makeup for, like, 14 hours or something just to shoot a two-minute <laughs> scene. It's just insane. And, to, and also to never be seen ever again. So like, so yeah, good. that's... I wish that was my claim to fame, was that I was... <laughs> not even, like, the hairdresser, but just the, the women with the stacked hairdo who gets the hair colour changed. Like, that's... I bet she could... I wish I was that, that person. <laughs> I bet she could still appear at like um collectomania and comic con and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> i'd be in the queue like gl- looking to get an autograph and my picture taken with her like Aww. it'd be amazing um, um this is a, a very special episode for you what's the the thing that resonates um yeah it just comes back to the what I said at the start is that good sci-fi I think makes you think about what it means to be human and what it means to be here on earth like it should make us look inward and back instead of out into the universe like Mm. I I just think even if it's about aliens it should still be making us think about what it means to be human and I think this is a really beautiful example of how Star Trek did that really well I think a lot of sci-fi these days is really serious or bleak or po-faced and yes this is earnest but it is funny it is so funny and so heartwarming mm. um and it's it's just like I say like I've written this episode for soap operas where you know somebody decides they don't want to get married on their wedding day but somehow when you put it in space and you put an android at the heart of it it just becomes even more real to me than something that was set on earth in a way yes i just love that about it and i think any episode that kind of focuses on specifically data and what does it mean to be human is just really thought-provoking and really interesting as well as entertaining um but also just that tap dancing scene in the middle. That's I thought that in itself is just a very special episode. Oh, it absolutely is. Thank you so much for chatting <laughs> to me today. That has been we've covered quite a lot of topics, and this is gonna be an interesting <laughs> one. I have no idea I'm... how you're gonna put this together. Just me <laughs> shouting about madness all the way through. 
Um, where can people find you? Where do you want to be found? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I kind of don't want to be found. Uh, I don't really have... I, I only have a, an Instagram account, which is private. And that's a very conscious decision. Um, mm. I think I used to be very prolific on Facebook and Twitter. And then one day I had an episode of Hollyoaks and somebody sent me a message saying that um, my parents should be ashamed of me. They, oh my God. Yeah, it was really weird. And that kind of got my head. And I just gradually I started to feel like Facebook makes me feel like I'm underachieving in my personal life. And Twitter makes me feel like I'm underachieving in my career. Mm. And I made the decision to get rid of all of it, which I think sometimes looks like a person's about to like you know, jump off a bridge or something when you just wipe yourself out of existence like that. But for me, it was really about taking control of my own brain and not like having to put every thought out into the universe. Like they can just disappear and that's fine. Mm. Um, no, I think that's yeah. so classy as well. Oh, it's not so classy. <laughs> people who don't have Facebook, I'm like, oh my God, you're like a like an adult. No, <laughs> I think, I mean, you miss out on things and it's hard. People mm. forget you exist sometimes as well because they're not seeing your name pop up. You're not in their minds as much. You can have to like actively remind people that you're around. So, and it is how people communicate these days. So it's, 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 it, it has its benefits, but it definitely has its drawbacks as well. And also just being visible in this industry, not mm. having a Twitter account is definitely a problem. <laughs> At the same time, like, I don't know that, like, yeah, sure, people have listened to me talk, you know, for X amount of time about this episode of Star Trek, but I, I don't have that many interesting thoughts that everybody needs to hear about them all the time. So I'm doing you all a favor. <laughs> you don't need to see six million pictures of my cat a day. That's why my Instagram's private. You know, I'm protecting his identity. <laughs> oh. oh, thank you so much for chatting to me today. That was great. <laughs> I've had a lovely time. Thank you. And there we go. A very big thank you again to my very special guest, Nikki Rooney. I think one of the things that I'm really enjoying about this podcast is that I get to catch up with people that I'd want to talk to anyway about something that they like, which is always a good thing. Uh, and there's a lot of moaning and groaning goes on in the world. And I think it's great just to talk about something that somebody's into uh, for a change. I have to say, I really did enjoy that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. And it did make me go back and watch um, a couple more episodes, including the one that Nikki mentioned mentioned here that um i think it's called a measure of the man uh a measure of a man it's uh another data episode the kind of courtroom drama thing that nikki mentioned and again really enjoyed it so maybe i found my route into star trek after all this time my very special guest next week is going to be gary mack and we'll be talking about a series four episode of russell t davies doctor who called turn left uh, and we do go into a little bit of detail on the the two episodes that follow that the kind of two-part finale of that series and that and that era in its in its way um so if you want to go and check those out i was able to watch them on iplayer uh, and i think that's probably the best place to watch post 2005 doctor who anyway although i'm reliably informed that there's quite a lot of doctor who on britbox if you have britbox does anyone have britbox i don't know in the meantime if you want to have a chat with me i'm over on twitter at hrf michael and over on instagram with the same handle and i'd really love to hear what you're thinking of the series so far if you have the time and the inclination you could go over to apple podcasts and subscribe to us and give us a, a nice juicy five-star review and you could even use your review to let me know what your favorite episode of your favorite show is and who knows you might even find yourself on a future episode of the podcast and until next time don't touch those dials i will see you next week 